Hey friend, welcome to the Soulfully You podcast with Coach Chris Rodriguez. I'm a movement and mindset coach, and I believe in a deeper way of living, a more soulful way of being. Join me each week for conversations about how to put a little more soul into our work, our relationships, and our everyday lives. Over these past few years, I've been reading more and more books. One of the authors that I've just fallen in love with his work is Ta-Nehisi Coates. He's a journalist and a poet, famously known for his book Between the World and Me, which is, in the words of Toni Morrison, required reading in the conversation around race in America. But he's also a writer for Marvel Comics and a novelist. In his most recent novel, The Water Dancer, it follows the story of a gifted slave who, if he unlocks his power, has the potential to free his people. The problem is that power is attached to a traumatic moment in his childhood that he can't remember. There's this one moment in the story where he finally meets his elder, and she says this, For memory is the chariot, and memory is the way, and memory is the bridge from the curse of slave to the boon of freedom. But we are here now, and we have forgotten the old songs and lost so many of our stories. For this elder, memories are powerful, transformative. They can change the lives of a community. But what about for you personally? Have you ever wondered what makes you uniquely you? Maybe you think about your heritage. You think about your temperament. You think about the things that you're good at, your gifts, your abilities. And although these contribute to parts of your identity, it's actually our memories, both good and bad, that shape the way we experience and show up in the world. Have you thought about how you make sense of painful memories? How about how you create meaningful new memories? Check out this conversation with storyteller Ryan Cummins as he talks about the power of our memories. But with those words of encouragement, I I pushed on with this deep desire to create stories, the best sorts of stories that can connect and inspire us. And just a few years later, the stars aligned through a series of lucky events for me to film conversations with a few hundred of the world's greatest living thinkers. These were Nobel Prize winners and MacArthur Genius Grant recipients, uh, Pulitzers and Fields Medal winners, some technologists, revolutionaries, even a few internet pioneers. Uh, These were people who had gone deeper in their area of research than anything I could have ever imagined, but I knew that this was a really big opportunity. And so I wanted to make the most of it, and I boiled it all down to one simple thing. I asked each of them to explain to me the meaning of everything in everyday language. Uh, It was, hands down, the most mind-blowing year of my entire life, and incredibly, incredibly humbling to learn just how little I actually knew about the world and, uh, and how we all fit into it. But today I thought uh, I would share with you guys the single idea out of all of those interviews 
that has most transformed my entire life and pretty much how I view everything. It was an idea shared to me by this man, Dr. Eric Kandel, uh, who pioneered our understanding of the human brain. Kandel actually discovered a secret about the brain, uh, one that you can take right now and improve your life today just by understanding these four simple words. You are your memories. Now, I have to confess, when, uh, when Kandel shared this secret with me, the very first thing that popped into my mind was whether I'd ever be able to rock a bow tie as well as this man. Uh, effortless swagger. Uh, but as I sat there deeply pondering this idea, uh, I think it became pretty clear to Candell that I wasn't fully following, because he said, you're not fully following me, are you? <laughs> and that's when, in an act of great generosity, Candell took the time to actually explain to me what this means. And I'm going to share it today because it's not just a secret, it's actually a, what I consider to be a superpower that each and every one of you possesses to entirely design the story of your life. Now, in storytelling, we often learn that the major events a character experiences in their early years go on to influence their later years. And I think that's fairly obvious, right? Even for all of us. Uh, whether or not we like it, our most memorable events go on to shape the people we become, what we go on to do, uh, what we think, even what we're capable of understanding. For Kandel, his earliest memories were of his family being forced to escape Vienna, Austria, in order to avoid the Nazi invasion. And that experience had such a deep impact on Dr. Kandel that it motivated him to dedicate his entire life to understanding the forces underlying humans, the ones that collectively shape our humanity. So he arrived in the States, and he studied his way to Harvard and then to med school, and he became extremely fascinated with the work of Freud and his research on the id, the ego, and the superego, because Kandel was so curious what could account for a human being able to listen to Haydn or Mozart or Beethoven one moment and then go on to brutalize a race the next? And as he was studying this, a mentor came up to Kandel one day and he said, look, if you really want to understand people by understanding the brain, the only way you can do that is one cell at a time. And that's when Kandel decided that he would study memory because memory is the glue that holds your mental life together. You are who you are because of what you learn and what you remember. You are your memories. But to put this into perspective, this was back in 1952, and back then we basically didn't have the faintest idea how a memory was created in the brain. Uh, so Dr. Kandel, through his research, came to discover that there are actually two very different types of memories created by our experiences. So we're going to do a little test. Um, I'm going to ask... Everyone here, three questions, and all you have to do is silently think of the answers yourself. So this should be the easiest test you take all day. Where were you the morning of November 1st, 2014? What did you have for lunch last Thursday? And this past week, how many cell phones have you heard ring? All right, quick show of hands. How many could remember one? Two? Three? All right. Not that many hands. And you guys are not alone. Uh, that's because these questions, they ask you to recall experiences that carry with them neither a highly rewarding nor highly punitive experience. Uh, the stimulus is, is quite low, and so your brain, it, it, it ignores that. 
All right, so three more questions. Uh, Same rules apply silently to yourself. Where were you on the morning of September 11th, 2001? What was the first big music concert you ever went to? And where were you exactly the very first time you had relations? (laughs) All right, so from the laughter, I'm going to guess that we're at least going to get one of these. All right. How many, how about, how many got two? Three? All right, so a lot more hands this time around. And that's because these questions, they ask you to recall experiences that do carry with them a highly rewarding or highly punitive stimulus. In the case of that third question, I hope rewarding. Uh, But what Candell discovered is that with that first batch of questions, those are associated with something called habituated experiences. And with habituated experiences, because the stimulus is low, your brain learns to ignore it, and it forms your short-term memory. But with that second batch, those are sensitized experiences. And this is where Candell cracked the code. What he discovered is that with sensitized experiences, there's actually a physical change that takes place in the nucleus of your brain cell. It strengthens the communication between those cells. So this cell talks to that cell with much greater frequency. And through that strengthened communication, that gives rise to your long-term memories. And long-term memory doesn't just stick with you. It is you. Tonight, when you go home and you look in the mirror and you begin to have a conversation with yourself, that voice that you hear, how sound its advice, how colorful it is, the depth of its understanding of you, That is all a byproduct of your richest life experiences, the best and the worst. And just by understanding this, you can harness the power right now to begin designing your life around the richest, the most rewarding experiences, big or small, but each and every single day. And right now, more than any other time in human history, you also get to decide how you're going to leverage technology to enhance or diminish those experiences through the apps that you download, through the platforms that you engage, through the data that you share. Each and every single day, you are designing your life by how you're using technology. Memories are not something we always think about. And often, we take our memories for granted until we lose it. If you have anyone in your life who's elderly, then you've probably experienced the pain of watching someone experience dementia. For me, it was my grandfather. I had moved away from home at this time, so every year I'd go back for the holidays, and every year I'd come back, his memory would get a little bit worse. Sometimes it was funny to watch him because it seemed like he reverted back to a child. All he wanted to do was eat ice cream bars. But there were other times where I watched him slowly start to lose his life. Like the one day that he drove to the grocery store and couldn't remember how to get home. So some stranger had to get in the car and help him get back to the house. And that day, my dad had to take the keys from him. Our memories hold so much of our life. In cases like dementia, our brain is being attacked by disease. This is out of our control. In the story, The Water Dancer, Hiram couldn't remember because his brain was trying to protect him from a childhood trauma that was so deep. In moments like this, it's great that we forget. This is the way we survive 
And hopefully at some later point in time, we talk to a healer, we talk to a therapist, we unpack those stories in safe ways, and we call them back into remembering. But there's another kind of memory loss that's much more tragic. It's the choosing to forget. In the world of habit formation, there's this idea that you remember what you repeat. The things that we perform over and over, the skills that we learn, we call those muscle memory. It's like when you get in your car, you leave your house on your day off, and you start driving to work without even thinking about it because you've been doing it so much, five days a week, right? It becomes thoughtless. It doesn't require much brain power. Now imagine all the things that we choose to do, we choose to repeat, that over time become these habits that we don't think about. We can't talk about memories without talking about our relationship with technology. In this age of smartphones and social media, the habits around our devices is doing something to our brains. It's changing the way we see the world, and it's changing the way we interact and experience each other. Can you remember the last time you ate dinner without your cell phone? What about the last concert you experienced? When your favorite song came on, what did you do? Did you just sing along and enjoy it? Or did you take out your phone and try to capture it? What about your last vacation? Maybe you were at the ocean and you saw a whale. You saw a dolphin. What did you do? Did you watch in awe or did you record it? As we're building this muscle memory and habits around our cell phones, we're forgetting to create memories with the people that matter the most to us. Now let's scale out the idea of memories. Over a decade ago, historians started asking the question, in the rise of this digital age, how are we going to artifact our history? In the past, the way we discovered ancient civilizations was through the things that they built. It was finding old letters and books and scrolls, finding pots, finding ruins. But for many of us, our memories are not in photographs, are not in paintings, are not in letters. Our memories are on a digital cloud. One historian asked the question, in 50 years, what if some virus hit and wiped out all of our digital memory? It would be hard for historians to look back and remember our generation. So to preserve history, historians are urging us to go back to some of the old craft-making skills, like sculpting, like painting, like drawing, actually writing scores of music, printing out photos. I don't think anybody's making an argument to go back to the Stone Age. And there aren't a lot of people who are arguing for no technology. But for us to create new and beautiful memories, we got to go back to being mindful of the way we spend our time, of the way we use our tech, and of the way we experience each other. In Ryan's talk, he leaves us with two questions that I want to share with you to help us 
remember to live and create the moments, the memories, and the experiences we want to live. So to wrap, as we today talk about our relationship between humanity and technology, I think these ideas allow us to boil everything down individually to just two questions we get to ask ourselves. Are you creating the memories you want through the experiences that you have in your life every single day? And are those experiences empowering others to do the same? Thank you for listening to the Soulfully You podcast with Coach Chris Rodriguez. If you like the show, help others find me by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at Coach underscore Chris Rodriguez. For more episodes, along with all of my coaching programs, visit me at www.coachchrisrodriguez.com. Special thanks to my team behind the scenes. Editing and show notes by Holly Lydiard and music by Dan Smith. And remember, whatever you do, wherever you find yourself today, make sure you put some soul in it.